October. So what do we learn from January? 17 games? What do we learn? Man, we, we learned that this team has a lot of fight in them, man. Because the reality is, is that the big games they showed up to. And that's what matters. Like, I, I don't think that there's going to be a moment that we're not going to look back and be like, yeah, see, that that is a team that fights right there. Because, oh, man, this is beautiful, dude. It was beautiful. I don't know. I don't know what to compare it to because, you know, for a minute we were there in first place. And then now we're game out of first place. Um, but a schedule like anything I've seen, like we found ourselves at the end of the, the, the month playing against the best teams in the West. Like all jam-packed. We gained, we gained room in 17 games. And if you think about that, like the fact is the Timberwolves had 17 games as well. Oh, they you know? I don't know. Yeah. And, and we gained. We gained the momentum there, man. Like we got caught back up in game um, games played because we had uh, less games played in um, December, November than them. I think there were two other games behind there, but we've caught up in games with them now to them, and not just that, but we're we're on a roll, bro. So, so what's up with J Dub? Um, I noticed he's been out. He's gonna be out tonight against the Watch. What's up, buddy? So what's up with what's his ankle? How bad is it? Do you, I mean? Precautionary, you know? bro. I, I think that it could be bad, but you see him in the interviews hanging out. You know, like there's a difference between somebody that has a really bad sprained ankle and somebody that's twisted their ankle and they're being like cautious about it. Um, that's what I see. I mean, it's not mean I'm like this fucking expert at all by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I don't I don't see a player that's had a serious ankle injury um getting out in the court and hanging out after the game and you know, for interviews and stuff like that. I think there is I think they're just being very cautious and recognizing that they can utilize this for getting rest. And honestly, man, Chet needed us to, to rely on him, man. Let's be honest. Like he's had a rough couple of games in, in the end of uh, uh, January. And it's a lot of it has to do with how many games he's played in January. That's, I mean, he's played a shit ton. He's tired. Yeah. But man, <laughs> he came out against Denver and he was just like a little bit slow in the first quarter. But that second quarter picked up, man. He started blocking shit. He started making people look stupid out there, hitting threes. I mean, it was it was fucking lit, bro. It's, it was incredible that dunk he had. Like, what the fuck? But so where we are now is we got this little thing, the all-star game, which is going to take up the whole world's attention. We're going to get Shea as a starter, Coach Degnall as a coach. Kamwani. So what happens? What happens after the all-star game? Like, are we sitting there just thinking playoffs or, you know, bro, we have to, I mean, let's be honest. We have to think healthy, right? You know, like even these injuries, if, if we're overplaying these players, like a, a twisted ankle could be a serious sprain if it's overplayed, you know, a player is extra tired. Um, I got to look at Chet and I got to be like, man, like we've got, a time period where we play um, four games in 11 days. I'm sorry, four games in 13 days. Okay. All right. And that's the all-star game in- included, but we have four days off three games before the all-star game, you know, like, and it's, I'm telling you, if we utilize that time and that break that we have as a natural break, then these guys are going to come back and fully, completely rested, completely, not completely healed, but completely rested in the aspect of, Two weeks is a long time for an NBA body to get there. 
and just take it slow. You know, we're just not in a hurry. You know, like Chet has to sit out a couple games. Cool. J-Dub has to sit out a couple games. Cool. Shea has to sit out a couple games. We make it work. We're not in the situation where Shea's going to, you know, not play 65 games like Embiid or, I mean, whoever else is looking to uh, for an MVP thing. I think that's going to be the big, biggest benefit to Shea is that there's going to be a couple MVP caliber players that are not going to be able to be voted on as MVP. This year's MVP races. It's quite a race, but let's talk about game limit. Let's talk a little bit about about what's going on right now. Like this is the third or fourth time this season alone that we've seen this, but it seems like Josh Giddy is on the trading block on Twitter again. Mm. Or every every smart person. How do you feel about this? All right. Are we being honest right now? Uh, can I be honest? All right. Josh Giddy, I've been watching a lot of. Okay. So when Josh Giddy's on the open, open um, floor, bro, and he has the ball and the, the defense is not set, Josh is one of the most deadly, deadly weapons that we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's finding, he did the, under, the underhand nutmeg the other day, bro. Like he does insane passes. But when the offense settles down, right, the defense collapses off of Josh Giddy. And they do it on purpose, man. And he's almost becoming like Andre Robinson out there or one of those other guys that we've had out there, Steven Adams, that really can't shoot the ball. He's just out there to do what he is good at at that one position. And I'm watching him and I'm watching and just being like, I just want him, instead of standing there with his hands up like this, I want him to go back door. <laughs> Maybe it's not part of the offense, but I just want him to see him like move closer to the basket. You know, like I will never say anything negative about Josh Giddy's game in the aspect of what he's going to become. But on this team, if you're just going to stand out at the three-point line and expect to get shots and your name is not Isaiah Joe, then it's just you don't understand the offense and what coach is trying to teach him. And so when it comes down to it, when you're looking at Josh's minutes, right, they don't look sexy right now. 19, 20, 25, 24, right? When does he play a lot? It's when he is part of the offense and he understands his role in that offense. And then you see him play 38 minutes, you know, 35 minutes, 34 minutes. But it's all about Josh understanding his role. And the problem is with his role this year than his role last year, the year before, it's completely different. It is not like he was used to. Like he was used to being the point guard and bringing the ball down and, and finding that he was part of that you know, major flow-in offense right there. But the emergence of J-Dub and what he does in that point guard position has put Josh more into a position that he has to be part of the offense, which not the main guy the offense is going through. And it's a different role for Josh. And it just takes a matter of time for he, before he will get it. When Josh gets it, though, you see his passes. You see him understand the offense. So when he understands that, he can be like Aaron Wiggins and go back door. He can do that and be really successful. You know what's going to happen? Bucket, bucket, bucket. And then everybody's going to be like, where's Josh Giddy? Where's Josh Giddy? That's what it's going to take, though. He's got to learn what Aaron Wiggins does and how he is so successful at doing that and watching Kenny Hustle and what he does. And he has to morph his game into being a 6'9", power forward slash guard, like, idea of those guys. What are the odds that he doesn't make it for the future? It seems like a lot of people are trying to trade him. Do you think that Sam trades him? This year, 
Okay, all right. I want to be clear. Like the only way Sam trades Josh Giddy is if he has a chance for a top two pick, right? And the only way they trade is with Josh Giddy added into that. Or Josh Giddy has to be added to a trade that brings a player over that pushes us over that edge. Okay. And what that edge is, we don't even know. So for us to sit here and say, like, Josh Giddy's going to be traded, I think it shows you the unintelligentness of Twitter. If people are calling for Josh Giddy to be traded, they just don't understand that he just doesn't understand his role yet. And when he does, he's going to be so much better than anybody can hope for. And guess what? I'm betting on the end of the season. I'm betting on the last 25, 30 games of the season. He clicks it, which is coming up here pretty quickly. And it's going to click. Boom. Oh, that's what coach wanted me to do. Oh, this is what. Oh, okay. I got that. And then when it clicks, bro, it's over. I so mean, it's literally we, over. We shouldn't pay any attention to these people who think that he's potentially going to be traded here. I, I think if people are calling for him to be traded, it's the last thing Sam Presti is going to do. When has Sam Presti ever listened to the mass amounts of people out there? He's never. He's never been one of those guys that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you've got something good to say. I'm going to listen to you. You know, like how many times have we ever heard of a, a trade rumor and that trade rumor gets shut down immediately by Sam because somebody else heard outside of the organization. He doesn't like dealing with the media. He doesn't like dealing with that type of drama. It's either A, we get this done now or B, we don't get it done. And if anybody leaks this shit, it's not happening. So, all right. So with Josh. Like, I think we both can agree that, like, the team's future is brighter with a 6'9 playmaker who understands how to rebound the ball at a really high clip. He's an elite passer, but already he's becoming an elite rebounder, for, especially for his position. Like, he's consistently putting up 6, 8, 10 rebounds a game. I think with the passing where it's at, and like you're saying, Sup-unk. as he continues to figure out how to attack downhill, get his shoulder low, move without the ball, those types of things. Like, the team is better. So the question then becomes about Sam Presti. Like, is he willing to trade someone who's 21 and the team is better in the future with him on the team simply to... And it's kind of laughable because nobody's going to assume Sam Presti will, will trade him to pursue the now. But I think a lot of people have, have turned on Josh Giddy, and even though they think, well, this is not about that, this is about basketball, well, it's, it all comes from the same spot. Like, these people did the same to Russ, right? And they wanted to trade him year after year after year after year after year. And now they've turned on Josh Giddy. And these are really the ignoranuses of the Thunder media base and Thunder fan base who, who run around, right, and stir shit up and create an environment in a city that is really a good city for 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 individuals and for, you know, families, young families, they create an environment that actually isn't really good for, for mm. those people. Like it, it wasn't good for Russ's family, how he was being treated locally. And it's not good for Josh Giddy's family. So I just wish people would be like, kind of understand what it means to treat people like an Oklahoman. Like, they, like we always claim, like we're friendly, we're nice, we're kind. But then it's like, Oh, let's stab this fucker in the back. Cause he missed a jump shot. It's like, that's, that doesn't really vibe with me, you know? No, but you're right. I mean, it's not an Oklahoma thing to do. I think that's why it throws us off. I mean, like, 
the viciousness behind the attacks, um, the viciousness behind um, the way that people treated Russ. And, um, you know, I, I saw on Twitter, somebody said that they've never seen a um, Oklahoma City fan base treat a, uh, a player worse than Josh. And I thought about it for a while and I was like, man, that was Russ. Like they were willing to trade Russ to make the super team for KD. They're willing to trade Josh to create a super team for Shea. And my problem with that is, is that like we saw last time is what happens when you trade a player too early? <laughs> they turn him into James Harden sometimes. And then you're sitting there saying, what the fuck did I just do? And that's the problem that I have with trading anybody that's under 25 right now. And I just, I can't, I can't even think about it. Like if I'm going to trade somebody, I'm going to look at the, 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 my deck that I have in my hand. And I'm going to say, I would rather give you a first round pick than Josh Giddy. And they would say, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'm sorry. That's just the way it would go. They might say, okay, but I, one first round pick for Josh Giddy isn't enough. Because here's the thing about Josh Giddy that I, nobody's understanding is that his value is so low right now in the NBA because of his incident, right? And because of his shooting, right? And because of his minutes, it's low. Nobody's going to go out there and say, I would rather have, you know, Josh Giddy over two first round picks. Nobody's going to say that right now. So because of that, we have to look in that and say, why would we trace somebody at the lowest value that he's going to have in his career? And that's true. And Sam Presti is a man that looks at value and trading and at times to trade because it's been, he's been burnt before by it. You know, don't you think he wished that he kept Sabonis just for a little bit longer? Figure out a way to add a different player instead of Sabonis? I don't know Imagine. if Indy does it. Russ, it's a good idea. Sabonis, and PG-13 would have been enough to make that team into something really special. It would have been great. And that's the thing about it. He's learned his lesson. He's not going to go out there and trade a young player before it's too late. You see Victor Oladipo got traded for Steven Adams. I did. So Steven Adams is now going to the Rockets. Houston. That sucks. Dude, bruisers, bro. Dude, they're, they're going to be the fucking bruisers. Shangun to enforce that post. Be interesting. I, I will always be a Steven Adams fan. Me too, I, don't, except- I don't care where he plays. I'm sorry. I won't. I, I won't just think back about the years he played for the Grizzlies and the Rockets, though. But on the same sense, though, man, is like good for him. You know, so, like he's a old school center and found a way to be incredibly productive. And nowadays, man, things going on like crazy, dude. I'm pumped about where this season's at. All star break around the corner. This team is getting warmed up. They know what Just it takes to go deep in the playoffs now. Mm. And talking deep talk. Deep. It's happening, bro. Listen. Thunder take over the NBA is now, man. It's, it, it, listen, it, there is no more waiting for the Thunder and taking over the NBA. Because if anybody wants to say, oh, well, the Thunder are lucky if they get to the second round of the playoffs this year. Sure, they are. And it's going to be a huge le- lesson for them. But that's not what they're only going to get there. I mean, like, they're going to get to the second round, and then they're going to push the, whoever they play to seven games and lose or six games and lose, or, or they're going to win. And if that's the case, that's stuff that you cannot go back and, and untrain. 
Like that's stuff that's going to feed the fire for next season. And everybody else is going to be on board with what we're saying is that this year is, is the warm-up year, man. This is the foreplay. And that's all this is this year. Is anything that happens is the bonus, man. This is the bonus year. Nobody was expecting it. Well, not nobody. Most people weren't expecting it. But this was the warm-up year. Next year is, is no longer the foreplay. We're going to graduate into full intercourse fledge fucking bro let's do it we love you guys thanks, thanks for sticking for with us, us guys we'll see you soon very soon